Well, get your Bibles open, if you would, to the book of Revelation, all the way to the end this morning. And as you're getting there, look at somebody, see if you can multitask. Say, it's good to see you. I don't know if you looked at them, though, because looking and saying at the same time is kind of hard. Amen. Revelations chapter 4. And uh, if, you, if you don't um, know where the new building we're looking at is, and you want to drive by and see it, if you go from here, like you're going to downtown Denton, uh, up Locust, from Eagle, it's on the left-hand side, and it's uh, uh, t- joined together with the Family Dollar building. So many of you probably have seen it. And it's been open for quite a while, and it used to be uh, a club, uh, the Rock and Rodeo, uh, that now is somewhere else. And so uh, thank you, Dwayne, for leading us in that. Let's just keep praying uh, today as a church um, for God's will. Amen. We have put some numbers together and made an offer of a a letter of intent uh, to see if they would accept it. And it's a little less than they're asking, but we believe it's what is, is worth and fair. Uh, to try to lease the building. So today and yesterday, uh, the owners are wherever they are at some ranch they own. And uh, I, th- I was telling Brenda, it would be awesome that they would make a decision while they're nice and relaxed in their ranch instead of being in the business, busyness of the world. So let's just be praying today as it comes to your mind, just say, Lord, touch that man and uh, let him accept our offer or even better. Amen? It could even be better. How many can believe miracles can happen? Amen? So just be praying about that. And if it's God's will, it's going to happen. If it's not, we'll continue here. But either way, we're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep telling people about Jesus. We're going to get the lost saved. Amen? And we're going to make Jesus' name big. Praise God. So as we end up this year, let's be uh, faithful. Thank God you came today. Amen? It was awesome that you made this last Sunday of this year. Well, if we finish strong, we'll start again strong. Amen. So I commend you. Uh, we'll be having church again tonight. I'm probably going to continue off of what I talked about this morning. Uh, and then sun, uh, Wednesday night, we are going to have service. It'll be, again, a short one. It won't be quite as long as normal. But I feel like uh, it being New Year's Eve, we need to come together and pray and thank the Lord for this year and start the new year uh, with prayer and declaration of what God's going to do in 2015. So we will be having service uh, Wednesday at 7, okay? So we'll be done by 8, and then everybody, 8, 8 8.30, the very latest, and everybody can get back home before it gets too late and still celebrate. And uh, those that are uh, awesome enough to stay up till midnight, you can party, amen, at your house, amen, Uh, nice and safe, amen. Uh, Maybe later, all right. Revelation chapter 4, amen. Uh, the holiness of God. Revelations chapter 4. I want you to look at verse 1 if you would. After these things, say amen if you're there. I looked and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet, speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Now, right before we read on, this has... Nothing to do with the message, but it's very important. We believe, biblically, that when this verse begins to happen, we, the church, will no longer be on this earth. Amen? Can you say amen? Amen. We believe that. We believe that this is a, a, a verse that talks about the rapture of the church and Jesus taking us home to be with Him before the tribulation begins on this earth. 
And uh, that's the whole other message, but I want you to know that's where we're at, uh, at this place in the, in the scriptures. And then it goes on to say in verse 2, Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he who sat there was like a jasper and a sardius stone in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were 24 thrones, and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting, clothed in white robes. And they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunders, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal. And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. And the first living creature was like a lion, the second living creature like a calf, the third living creature had a face like a man, and the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. The four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they do not rest day or night, watch this, saying, Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him, who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Father, we ask you this morning for a few minutes as we sit in your presence and we look at your word, Father, your written word, that you would anoint these words of my lips, Lord, that they would be what you want me to say and God, that our minds would be arrested to this morning to hear your word and to, to focus on you for a few minutes and not think about anything else but what your word has to say to us this morning. And God, we, we just bind and come against every spirit of darkness that would try to hinder or, or delay or affect the word of God this morning so that it would uh, get deep down into our souls, God, and it would mean something to us. Lord, I pray for every person here that's dealing with something that's maybe sick or, 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 or struggling with the situation, that they could just put that to the side to just listen to your word and your word will be like medicine this morning for their souls. And God, we just thank you for what you're going to do in the next few minutes. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, yeah. I want to talk this morning about the holiness of God. The holiness of God. I, I want to tell you this morning that when I got saved... Uh, something came upon me 22 years ago in October of, uh, 4th of 1992 that changed my life. And, and, and if someone would ever ask me, what is the one thing that is the most important thing in your walk with God? Why is, what is it that keeps you going? What is it that, and it's not just, it's not that it's the only thing, but it would be the biggest thing. And this is for me alone, uh, but it, it may be for others as well. They would say, what is it that, that, that makes you keep living for God? What is it that got your attention? How many know when you got saved, something got your attention? 
Right. The gospel obviously was it, but something grabs you, a situation, a message, a word. And I can tell you that the the one thing that grabbed me was what is called the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And I was thinking about this this morning. If you don't fear something or sorry, if you don't respect something, you cannot fear it. All right. And in the other way around, if you don't fear something, you cannot respect it. And so if you don't fear and respect God, it's hard to serve him. And I think this morning about law. Okay, we know that the justice system anywhere in the world is not perfect, but we know God's is. We know that uh, there's failures and problems and loopholes in every justice system. But the justice system is created for there to be laws and for there to be uh, a good uh, place to live where there's order. And uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago, like when you think about a city without cops, without police officers, without order, without rules, we sometimes don't like them. We don't like it when we get pulled over and we get a ticket or we some, you know, not wearing a seatbelt or whatever. And we know that there's been lots of things going on in the news about uh, problems with police officers and all that abuse of power, all the stuff that's going on. But how many can imagine what this world, especially the United States, would be like if we didn't have laws? There would be what's called lawlessness. There's already lawlessness. But can you imagine if there was no rules and no laws to try to abide by? And so we, we, we have that many times because of this reason, because people don't respect the authority. They don't respect laws. And I have always been one of those people. I've never been in jail because I respect the law. I don't have to agree with everything the law says, but I respect it and I have a fear of being arrested and being placed in jail and living in a place that I don't have freedom. And so that free that fear and respect has kept me out of jail. Okay, now maybe you're here and you've been in jail, maybe. And I know some people have. And that's the whole thing. But I'm trying to get you the idea of that. A lot of reasons that people go back to prison and go back to jail again is because they don't respect the law. And if you don't respect the law, then you, that's where you're going to end up back again. And so maybe it would tie over to our walk with God. Maybe a, a reason sometimes we don't make it for God and don't live the life we want to live for God is we don't respect God. We don't fear God. And so when we begin to talk about holiness, as, you, as we read these verses in Revelations 4, uh, we're up in heaven now. And that one verse mentioned that they laid their crowns at his feet. That is the, 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 the Bema seat, it's called, has already happened. Again, that's another message, but I'm throwing some free stuff in here this morning. Amen. That's another message. But the Bema seat is what we talk about all the time, is that the reason we're living the life we're trying to live for God is that one day we're going to stand before God as believers and we're going to be given a crown. Amen. How many know we're working? Here's another message. We're working for a crown, not a pat on the back. Okay, so we're working for a crown for the Lord. And one day that crown that's given to us is going to be given back to Jesus. We just got done with Christmas. How many want to give Jesus a good gift? Not just a good one, a great gift. How many want to give him the best gift you can possibly give him? So if we want to give him a great gift, then we need to be working, not for salvation, working for that crown. And every time I do something for the Lord and I do right and I serve and I live for him and I do, he's putting, he's putting things on my crown. 
And one day I will give that crown that he gives to me, I will give it back to him and lay it at his feet. And that's what we see there in Revelations 4. And that Bema seat, that time of being crowned, has to take place somewhere in heaven. And that's going to take place while the tribulation is going on down here on earth, while all hell is breaking loose, while the wrath of God is coming on this earth, we the believers, do I have any in here with me this morning, in Jesus Christ, will be up in heaven getting our crown. And we will be saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Who was and is and is to come. We will be there, not here. Can you say amen? And that's something we need to get excited about. And we need to be thankful for that we're not going to be here whenever that happens. And so they're there. And we see, I want to show you some things very important here. That in verse 8 there in that, in that scripture, we saw the word holy, holy, holy. Okay, three times. Three times the word holy is mentioned. Of all the attributes, how many know God's got a lot of attributes? Last Sunday morning, I mentioned a lot of the names of God and Jesus, and, and I began to say them, and it excited us to think of all those. But he has a million, billion, countless attributes as well. And listen, of all of his attributes, of all of his greatness, of all of his power, the greatest is holiness. Why? Let me tell you why. Because in the, in the, in the Hebrew language, whenever something would be emphasized, it would be mentioned more than once. You never see in the Bible, okay, let me give it to you this way. It, 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 for example, if you said that a stone was big, and, you, and I said, I've got a big stone, that'd be big, right? Because big is big. But if I said, I've got a big, big stone, then that would be bigger than big. But what if I said, I have got a big, big, big stone, Okay. And so you see that in this scripture that God is not just holy, but he is holy, holy, holy. Three times it's mentioned. Amen. So go quickly, if you would, to Matthew chapter five. I'm going to be running through some scriptures. Get your fingers warmed up. Amen. And, and moving this morning, Matthew chapter five. Again, the holiness of God. And we'll see what this is talking about in a moment uh, about holy ground. Matthew chapter five. So how many believe this morning that God is holy, holy, holy? And so we know as we begin to move into this and look at this, that when we hear the word holy, and we try in our best finite minds to understand what holy is, we automatically begin to understand and realize, I can't line up. That's probably the first thing that should go through your mind. It's the first thing that goes through mine is I don't line up. And that's okay. If some of you are thinking already, okay, I'm, I'm behind on this message. I, I already don't think I can line up with God's one holy, let alone, let alone his three holies. I'm in trouble. Amen. And you know what? That's the truth. But we know that God would never ask us to do something we cannot do. Right? With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. If, I, if, I, if Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. So if God says that he's holy, we understand he's holy, but he also wants us to be holy. In Matthew chapter 5, say amen if you're there, verse 43, look at these verses. Uh, love, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your father in heaven. Now that just makes me excited anyways that I'm a son of the father. Amen. If you came in and you're a little depressed or down after Christmas and and you're kind of, you know, the balloon helium is gone and you're just kind of like 362 days till Christmas again. Right. Like me. I love Christmas. If you but I'm not depressed. But if you come in this morning, amen, and you're just kind of down that right there ought to just lift you right back up again, that you're the son or the daughter of the father, not of a father, the father. That's enough to get me excited right there. Amen. Sons of the Father. He says that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and the good. Here's a good verse for you. And sends rain on the just and the unjust. Man, there's all kinds of free stuff in this message. Here's another one. If you don't like this world you live in, too bad. If you don't think things are fair, too bad. If you don't like the way things work, too bad. It's not fair. He says, I, rain, I send my rain on the just and the unjust. It means we do not live in a divine bubble. We live in a real world, a world that is contaminated by sin. Amen. Contaminated by rebellion, contaminated by hate, contaminated by all these things. And that's why Wednesday night when we had our candlelight service, we, we, we ended with the candles and we reminded ourselves we are the what? Light of the world. We're the light of the world. And that's what Jesus is trying to address here. He's trying to get us to remember that somebody can't know what holiness is if we're not trying to be the example of holiness. Because we are his light in this earth. Amen. And so he says, uh, verse 46, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do, even, do not even the tax collectors do so? Now watch 48. Therefore, you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. I can be perfect? What? I thought I was a sinner. I thought I was a bad person. I thought I was lost. How can I be perfect? Well, he's telling us how to be perfect. He's telling us to have, first of all, a perfect attitude and a perfect heart and understand that God has elevated himself up to a place that will never, say never, Never. be able to reach. Okay? How many know that if the standard, as human beings, if the standard is attainable, watch this, if the standard is attainable, if somebody puts an attainable standard in front of you, we don't reach for it. Because it's too easy. It's right there. Why waste our time? If somebody puts it just a little bit higher where we think we can reach it, then we're going to try to try to reach up. But we don't have to try too hard. God has set a standard that we'll never be able to reach. But he asks us to try. Okay? So just think about that as we move on. It is an unattainable, you think, he just said be perfect. Well, he's, he's telling us how to be perfect. He's telling us to do things different than the world does. 
He's telling us to be different than the world. We are the salt of the earth. We are the example on this earth. Amen. Shake your neighbor, hit your neighbor with your elbow and say, you are the light of this world. Amen. Come on, that just gave you a great opportunity to elbow somebody. Amen. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 6 in the Old Testament. Isaiah chapter 6. Now, as we're reading this, don't, don't be sad. Be happy. Amen. Holiness is good. Holiness is awesome because we have a great priest this morning. We have a great God who's already paid the price for us. Amen. But he does expect something of us this morning. Now, let's look at Isaiah chapter 6. And give me an amen when you get there. Verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up. And the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one cried to another, here we go again, and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken by the voice of him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. And so I said, watch this, woe is me, for I am undone. Because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of Host. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having, his hand in a li- having in his hand a live coal, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sin is purged. And I said, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then Isaiah said, Here I am. Send me. Amen? What do we need here? What do we see in Isaiah here? We see again a holy God. And we see again an attitude of a man that says, I don't line up. When we are really, watch this, when we are really serving God at the level God wants us to serve him at is many times when we feel the least worthy. Because if we get to a place as believers, now don't confuse this with with being a son or daughter, as I said, of God, and not being able to, to go to him or not being able to get close to him. There's a parallel here that we have to understand. But there has to be a respect in your relationship with God. Okay? If you can if you love somebody and you want to be close to them, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you really, really, really love them, really, you respect them. And so, as a son to a father, I can be friends with my dad, we can have good times, we can talk about things, but the bottom line is, even though I'm the pastor of this church, and he's the assistant pastor, when it comes to fatherhood, he's always going to be my dad. And I'm always going to respect him as my father. And I'll never, if I ever lose the respect for my father, I will lose the authority of my own life. 
And so I have to understand that there's a love and a closeness that you can have with God, but I cannot walk in God's perfect will if I do not respect who God is. Amen. Amen. And the Bible says he is holy, holy, holy. Amen. And so we, we, we don't want to take for granted or, or take advantage of God's goodness. Amen. Because in these verses, we see two things. Write this down if you're taking notes. We see first one, God's goodness. Okay? We see that in those verses. We see His train filling the temple. We see He's holy. We see the whole earth is full of His glory. We see the doorposts shaking. He is good. And even His his greatness. But the second thing we see is man's unworthiness. So our picture is God's greatness and my unworthiness. Okay? Okay? God's greatness and my unworthiness. God's greatness and my unworthiness. If I ever get to a place that I forget God's greatness and or think I'm worthy, I'm in trouble. Y'all following me? Amen? Catch that. God's always going to be great. I'm always going to be unworthy. Okay? I'll never stop being unworthy. That doesn't mean I can't have a relationship with God. That doesn't mean God didn't pay my sins for me. It just means I understand where I'm at on the totem pole. And if I ever get to a place where I think I'm greater than I am, then I'm already in trouble anyways because pride comes before fall. And so God's holiness reminds me of how low I am and how graceful and amazing he is that he would share anything with me. Y'all following me? They have to have a respect. And so you get to a place where I was when I got saved. I, I can tell you that I don't know what range I was on, but I was very prideful and very arrogant when I, was, when I got saved. And I definitely didn't think I was like God, but I, I was very prideful and very arrogant and, and, and just doing my own thing. And when I got saved, God had to hit me between the eyes with a two by four. And that's how he has to do with some people. And I was one of those people. And I've gave that testimony many times before. That the, the message that got me was me realizing where I was headed. Amen? And I realized the night I got saved that it didn't matter how talented I was or how much I had together or how much people looked up to me or how people followed me or any of the accolades that I had in sports or anything that I had in my life. I realized the bottom line is I'm heading somewhere I don't want to go. And that was hell. That was my destination. And until we realize, watch this, until we realize that hell was our destination before Jesus, we will never expect, or sorry, respect or love or understand how awesome heaven is if we don't understand what we got saved from. I can't understand my sin if I don't understand God's holiness. Y'all following me? I know you got a lot of food in you. I know you're on food comatose. I know we're coming off the holidays, but don't let the... Don't let the devil lull you to sleep. Amen. This is important. This is good. This is powerful. I can't understand how awesome heaven is if I don't remind myself and realize that's not where I'm supposed to be. If I get to a place where I think, man, God owes me heaven, I'm lost already. God doesn't owe me anything. I owe God everything. 
And that night I realized, thank God to a preacher who was preaching the truth, he was preaching that hell existed. And I knew that night by the Holy Spirit, God told me very clearly, not in an audible voice that you're hearing right now, but in my spirit, as clear as a bell, God said, that's where you're going if you don't change your life tonight. He didn't say next week or next month. He said tonight. You know what? Thank God I did because I don't know what was going to happen. Who knows what was going to happen the next day? That's why Jesus, or sorry, the word of God says today is the day of salvation. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today. Don't be in here this morning and say, I'm going to walk, I'm going to work on this holiness thing next year. Amen. Because you're not promised next year. I was just talking to Richard and ha- Rich and Hazel this morning. And they just lost a very close friend who had, a, they think, a heart attack or heart complications. 32 years old. Wow. Two days ago. 32. That's young. Amen? Tomorrow's not promised to anybody. And so Isaiah says, I am a man who is, he says, I'm ruined. Woe to me, I'm a man of unclean lips. He, 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 he understands that he is not worthy to stand in God's presence because he says, my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. You know what the scariest thing for me is in the world? Is those people who have seen God's hand, who have seen God's miracles, who have seen God's forgiveness and walk away from him unchanged. That's a scary thing. You need to be thankful this morning that God touched you and that you responded in the right way. Amen. Amen. We see experiences throughout the Bible of people being wowed and, and, and sometimes unimpressed by the presence of God. If you don't get impressed by the presence of God, you need to check yourself this morning. Amen. Matthew 14, verses 25 and 26. Don't go there for time. I'll read it. It says, during the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. Walking on the lake, and when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. And they said, it's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. Amen? Matthew 14 says that they were fearful because they didn't recognize who God was. Now quickly, in your Bibles, go to Exodus chapter 3. Let's make this as quick as possible. Exodus chapter 3. I want to show you what God wants us to understand. Moses has an experience here. In Exodus 3. And how many have ever heard of the burning bush? It's an example of a changed life. I'm gonna, you can see this same parallel in the New Testament as, as uh, Saul, who turns to Paul, is riding on his horse and he has a conversion experience. This morning it's not about religion, it's about relationship. Has God changed your life? Have you allowed Jesus to come in and change your life? Well, Moses has a burning bush experience. He's tending the flock. He's doing something else. His father is really in the ministry. He's really not that interested. And verse 2 says, An angel appears to him in a flame of fire from a bush. And he looks at the bush. It's a consuming fire. And he goes to this bush and sees Moses sees uh, uh, the, the burning bush and it gets closer. But he doesn't understand why the bush isn't burning. And so when the Lord saw, verse 4, that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, and he said, here I am. And look at this. He said, do not draw near to this place. He said, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Amen. The place where you stand 
is holy ground. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And the Bible says Moses hid his face from God. Okay? So there's a fear, but it's a fear of reverence. You must have in your life a fear and a reverence of the Lord. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Amen? A reverent fear that says, I don't want to get close to anything that would upset my father. I don't want to do anything that would be called unholy. Amen? Holiness is, a set, holiness is not how you dress. It's what comes out of your heart. It starts here. Too many people today try to uh, dress a certain way or look a certain way and cover up things on the inside by the outside appearance. Now, if you change the inside, the outside works itself out. But Jesus was rebuking the Sadducees and the Pharisees all the time because they had an appearance of goodness on the outside. But the Bible says their hearts were rotten. They would clean the outside of the cup but never clean the inside. What God really wants this morning is to clean you on the inside. Amen? Which is what Isaiah said when he got that hot coal and he put it there and he cleansed him from his sin. Why can't I stand before God? Because of my sin. How can I stand before God? With my sins forgiven. How can I stand before God? Because of the blood of Jesus. Amen? We're going to end in a second this morning in 2 Timothy. If you want to Go there and hold there for a second. But Matthew 17, we see another experience on the Mount of Transfiguration. And, and uh, he's, uh, he's uh, uh, with his disciples and a bright cloud envelops them. And a voice from heaven says, this is my son whom I love and in him I am well pleased. And when the disciples hear this, they fall to the ground terrified. Not a terrified fear of, of scared, a terrified fear of reverence. Reverence to the Lord. And it says, he says, watch what Jesus says. He says, get up and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid meaning don't be fearful, but be reverenced, respectful. See the difference? Not fa- 365 times the Bible says don't fear. So it's not a fear of, of God's trying to hurt us. It's of respect and a reverence. That's the, that's the understanding. And the more I respect and reverence God, the closer I can get to Him. Because the more I respect and reverence Him, the less I'm going to do that displeases Him. And I'm going to try my very best, as Matthew told us, to be perfect. And another verse says to be blameless. And so it's something that sounds impossible for a a human being because our nature is to try to get away with everything we can get away with. That's our nature as human beings. If you say, don't cross this line to a kid, they're going to step on the line to see what you do. And so it's not about that. It's about us not trying to see how close we can get away to sin. It's trying to say, God, I don't want to sin. I love you. I respect you. I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. We see at the cross, when Jesus is dying, the centurion, remember when the centurion was standing there, and the Bible says a great earthquake happened, and he was terrified, the Bible says, and he looked upon him and he said, this must be the Son of God. 
There was a reverence in there. The shepherds, we just talked about the birth of Jesus. At the shepherds, when they saw the glimpse of, of the birth of Christ, the Bible says they were sore afraid. That's pretty afraid. Sore afraid. Anytime, watch this, someone gets a glimpse of the Almighty God, they're terrified. Why? Why? Because Exodus thirty-three twenty says, God said, no one may see me and live. But see, we're looking forward today to that day when we will stand before God and we'll have a glorified body. Amen. This body that hurts and aches and goes to the hospital and gets cancer and has temptations and things we don't, does things we don't want to do, this body will be glorified and we'll have a new one and it'll be able to stand in the presence of God and not die. Amen. So we understand that without the blood, without Jesus, without his protection, anything, watch this, anything that is in his presence without that protection will die. Let me me push through something to to end this morning. I've got a lot of notes I'm not going to get to this morning, but watch this. The Hebrew word for holiness, okay, Hebrew Old Testament means is Kadesh, which means something is cut off or separate or set apart. When you begin to think about holiness, it's an attitude of not wanting to be like the world. It's an attitude of separation. We understand we live in this world, but we don't have to be like the world. And so it says Kadesh. It it describes that which is anti-secular. Secular meaning the, the world or temporal. And it's in a category all its own. Listen, it's Kadesh describes something that is elevated out of the sphere of what is ordinary. The New Testament word is hagios, which means set apart, separate, and in a class by itself. How many of you believe that we and our actions should be set apart? We should be by ourselves. We should be different. The world should be able to look at our lives and see something in us that makes us different. If you're not living that kind of life, then that's the reason people that you maybe try to witness to don't really want to change because they say, what's the difference between me and you? What is it that you do different? You go to church, is that what makes you different? Is you got a Bible in your hand, is that what makes you different? No, a lifestyle, an action, a reverence to God, a holiness, which which makes like a, a light shine out of you, and people look at you and see there's something different about you. You're separate. You're, it's not like they're going to say, well, you look separate. But they're going to look at you, and they're going to say you look different. There's something about you. How many want people to look at you and say, there's something about you I don't have? I'm not quite sure what it is, but there's something I need that you have. The call to be holy is to be separate, set apart, or reserved for a special use. So we don't really realize sometimes how amazing it is that that God that is holy, holy, holy wants to use me. That's that's where you stop and you just meditate on that. You let that simmer like a a crock pot. The God who's holy, holy, holy wants to use me. Hebrews 4.16, remember remember this verse. If you're feeling like you're not able to get close to God, remind you, he says, we are able to to come boldly to the throne room of grace because of Jesus. Let me give you an illustration to end this morning. 
There, there, there's kind of a what God wants us to try. Again, this is a, an attitude this morning to have. It, it, there's a, in the forest, let me read this, the forest of North, Northern Europe and Asia, and I think I may have given this example years ago. There's a little animal called the ermine. Anybody ever heard of it? Ermine, yeah. Ermine, ermine, tomato, tomato. Known for his snow white fur in winter. He instinctively, watch this, protects his white coat against anything that would soil it. Super white. Fur hunters take advantage of this unusual trait of the ermine because they don't have to snet a snare to catch him. What they do is they go and they find his home where he lives, which is usually in a cleft of a rock or a hollow in an old tree. They smear the entrance to this uh, home he lives in with grime, dirty stuff. Then the hunters set their dog loose to find and chase it because the frightened animal will flee towards home, but will not enter his house because of the dirty. Rather than soil his white coat, he's trapped by the dogs and captured, but dies preserving his purity. For the ermine purity is more precious than life. Good thought. Amen? If an animal can protect and give his life to stay pure and says, I know that my home is the place I'm going to get saved here. I know, see, that's the problem. See, think about that. Take that to today. We try to protect ourselves from this world, but we realize that we go back into the world to protect ourselves. He, that ermine said, I'm not going to go in there, which is comfort and safety. I'd rather give my life and stay pure than go back in there. Amen? We're not of this world. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. And we have to do everything we can to protect ourselves to stay pure. Amen? Are you going to fail? Yes. Are you going to make mistakes? Yes. But are you using that as a way to get away with something? Or are you realizing, yes, I'm human, but God says to be perfect and says to be holy. And if he asks me to do that, I can do it. Amen. Say amen, please. All right. As the musicians are coming, I want to give you another thought about holy, holy, holy. In Isaiah 6 and Revelation 4, and I'm going to continue some more uh, on this tonight, the angels declare that God is what? Holy what? Holy, holy, holy. Watch this. This is the only attribute of God emphasized in this way in the Bible. You'll never see a verse that said love, 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 or mercy, mercy, mercy. Only holy, holy, holy. Therefore, this has to help us understand that God expects and wants from us holiness. Amen? How many remember as you were praying growing up as a kid, maybe, maybe you were in church, maybe you weren't, but you might have still learned this somewhere. God is good. God is great. And we thank Him for this food. That's simple little prayer, right? You see the virtues in that simple little prayer. God is good. God is great. And we thank him for this plate. Right? Some people say that. But the virtue there is that we understand, even as young kids, God's greatness. Don't ever get too familiar with God that you forget his greatness. 
and you forget his holiness. And you forget how much he hates sin. He loves the sinner, but he hates sin. Amen? He loves the sinner, but he hates his sin. And so we understand God's greatness, and we understand God's goodness, and we understand my unworthiness. And then it all ties together as I realize the fact that makes the, what makes God so great and so good is that he accepts an unworthy person like me into his home. Think about that. Isn't that what makes God great? Would God really be great, as great as he is, if he was just up there lording over us and telling us, hey, I'm great and you're not. I am amazing and you're not. I'm up here and you are down there. Which is a picture a lot of times of religion. But God says, I am great. But I'm going to let you be great with me. I'm going to let you come in to my life, to my house, to my world, to my heaven, even though you're not worthy. And we realize that even as good as I could possibly be, that same book of Isaiah says, my righteousness is like filthy rags. So I'll always be unworthy. Best day of your life, least lies, least bad thoughts, still don't line up. And God says, that's okay. That's why I sent Jesus. I sent Jesus to be the perfection that you cannot be. And all I want you to do really, in a nutshell, is respect my son. Respect my sacrifice. Isn't that the least that we can do? Romans 12 says to offer ourselves as living sacrifice, which is our our call, which is our, our greatest attribute from us, is to say, God, I really thank you for sending your son. What I'm going to try to do is to live the best life I can to live up to the gift you gave me, which is your son. Amen.